Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 113 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, as always, the president, the founder, the editor-in-chief of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. And uh, as we were talking about in um, our pre-show, it is December 5th, and we are kind of bookended between the anniversary celebrated on December 4th. That's the anniversary of the founding of the Montreal Canadiens. The 111th anniversary uh, was yesterday. Um, And, of course, we we spent a lot of time on that in last week's episodes, so you might want to go back and look for the Canadians Connection episode 112, where we were uh, uh, happy to be joined by um, uh, Canadian recording artist, I guess is the best way to yeah. describe him, Anakin Slade. Um, and I said the bookend, the the other end of the bookend, tomorrow, December 6th, everybody's talking about it this week. That is the 25th anniversary of the trade of one Patrick Waugh to the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, and... Uh probably one of, if not the darkest day in the franchise history of the Montreal Canadiens. And we're going to be discussing 25 years after the fact, the Patrick Waugh trade, the infamous Patrick Waugh trade from Montreal to Colorado. And we are going to be diving into that in the second segment today. And I'm very much looking forward to having that conversation because as you said, it's been, it's been everywhere this week. We've been, we've been hearing about that. I mean, there was some brief celebration yesterday after the Montreal Canadiens' 100th and 11th anniversary, and now we have the day in between before we get to the anniversary of the trade, the 25th anniversary, and we've already had the anniversary of December 2nd, 1995. That game, yeah. that game Mario Tremblay, Patrick Wall walking right past him to ask out of town. So it's been a crazy week, Rick, and there's been a lot that's already been said about that Patrick Watt trade. We're going to put in our two cents in the second segment. Is there a curse? Uh, yeah. Is there a curse? There? People talking about a curse. Uh, mm. Haven't won a cup since that uh, since Like the that curse trade. of the Bambino. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Billy Goat, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> the, the curse of St. Patrick, maybe? Mm. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, Rick, we're going to be getting to that in the second segment uh but before we get there we do have some news and notes to pass along as we always do and we'll start with uh Antoine Waken um former member of the uh Laval Rocket um he signed a deal 
uh, with the Indy Fuel of the ECHL this week. The Indy Fuel, that is a fantastic team name, uh, and I'm <laughs> happy to see Antoine Wakehead uh, sign a deal. Indy Fuel's in the ECHL. Antoine Wakehead's, uh, Wakehead's spent the last three years uh, with the Laval Rocket um, and uh, was kind of that uh, fourth-line energy guy, yeah. uh, finished his checks, uh, wasn't afraid to, to drop the gloves when he need to, needed to. He was a, um, a bit of a goal scorer in the queue with uh, Roy Noranda, and, and, uh, but uh, uh, more of a, a, a hard checker, a guy who would check you through the boards, not just into the boards. Um, and uh, with the surplus of, of forwards in Laval, he saw the writing on the wall and so has, uh, has signed with Indy, and, and uh, we, wish him, we wish him luck there. Absolutely, and yeah, just watching some highlights of him earlier today, yeah, he does have that hard-nosed play style. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll wish him all the best going forward. Uh, Rick, moving to... Um, the Canadians prospect report this week and starting with someone who uh, you wouldn't describe, I don't think as having a bit of a hard nosed (laughs) style of play. (laughs) Uh, Cole Caulfield. uh, We'll start with the news that he will be heading. uh, This is no surprise heading to the U S world juniors camp uh, after uh, what, what is can only be classified as a bit of an up and down week uh, for Cole Caulfield. We go back to last week and we discussed it that uh, there would be Wisconsin Badgers games that you could catch on RDS and TSN2. And uh, Rick, um, wasn't, wasn't a great performance <laughs> over the uh, last weekend. Well, listen, some, some Canadians fans, they don't get to see uh, these prospects very yeah. often. And so much has been made of Cole Caulfield um, and his uh, uh, scoring pro- promise. And, uh, you know, the comparisons have been made, uh, probably rather lofty comparisons, um, and, uh, you know, I, I think as we do every week, we try to, when we talk about prospects, we kind of temper, uh, yeah. you know, don't get too high, don't get too low on the prospects. And, and, uh, you know, how ma- many Habs fans expected, um, if, if there was a season, Cole Caulfield to be part of the Montreal Canadiens this season. And, and we stressed, uh, he wasn't ready. He's just not ready yeah. yet. Um, but um, he's off to a good start, uh, but that doesn't mean that is he he uh, doesn't have anything to work on. And and last week, um, yeah, it was it was um, it was tough, uh, given that he had the the national audience on RDS and and uh, TSN two, uh, that um, he had one of those games that uh, he just wasn't impactful at all. Uh, if yeah. if Cole Caulfield isn't scoring. Uh, he doesn't contribute in in other ways, and um, the he was ravaged on Twitter by Canadians fans, uh, calling him soft and 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 Cole Caulfield doesn't go into the uh, tough areas of the ice. He's more no. of a perimeter player. Uh, he's more of a shooter, um, and uh, you know his everything from his his uh, lack of physicality, his um, his skating was criticized. His uh, non-ability to play defense was criticized. <laughs> um, and again, we just have to say, just 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 pump the brakes there because. Um, he has a lot of work to do. And Tony Granato yeah. said that to us when we interviewed him last last season, that uh, Cole's got a lot of work to do, um, and hopefully he'll, he um, will uh, 
be be mentored by Tony Granado on that. Last night, um, uh, I watched the game of, of uh, University of Wisconsin. Uh, they were in Columbus to play Ohio State, the Ohio State Buckeyes, um, and uh, they they were coming into that game on a three game losing streak. Um, and uh, a little bit, a little bit of a, a, a tough matchup in that um, the uh, Wisconsin Badgers were down four forwards. Four of their forwards uh, were held back in COVID protocol. Um, one of them being um, uh, Dylan Holloway, your your uh, yeah. favorite for the uh, for the draft. Um, one of your favorites. Um, yeah. So uh, they were playing with a, a reduced complement. Uh, they had two of their defensemen playing forward last night, um, mm. and uh, one one of their forwards, third line forward Ryan, uh, Ryder Donovan, um, got co- uh, clipped for um, uh, checking from behind. So he got five and a and a game and tossed. That left them with eight natural forwards. Um, Goodness. So it was tough. But yeah, <laughs> um, uh, we caught an interview with uh, with Cole Caulfield, and he said, "Well, you know, that gives me more time to play. Uh, I get yeah. on the ice more often." <laughs> uh, and Cole was playing with his brother uh, Brock Caulfield yep. at center. Um, Linus Wiseback, uh, the Buffalo Sabers prospect, uh, on the left side. However, because of the um, because of the the lack of forwards. Uh, Caulfield was being double shifted, and and the Caulfields were being double shifted. Yeah. So you saw Cole and Brock out there with Jack Gorniak, also a Canadian's prospect, um, last night. And uh, actually, it was the it was Gorniak who was much more effective than uh, Wiseback on that left side with uh, with the two Caulfields. Um, turned out to be a pretty good uh, pretty good uh, game for. Uh, for Wisconsin, they won three uh, one um, over uh, over Ohio State. Uh, three points each for Caulfield and Gorniak, a goal and two assists each. Um, and uh, Cameron Rowe, uh, goaltender, making his first uh, start for the Badgers, had forty saves. Uh, he was wow. the first star. Uh, Cole Caulfield, uh, nine shots on goal. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was shooting from hey. everywhere, uh, <laughs> including a 65 foot wrister from the blue line that floated in and found the net, uh, for his first goal. Um, and, uh, third star was Jack Gorniak, uh, who was just, uh, a goal and two assists, but, um, he was, he was strong on the four check. He's a bulldog. Uh, yeah. he was, uh. He was, he's really good below the goal line. He's really good in front of the net. Um, and he took full advantage of his extra ice time um, at, to, to come in there with the third stars. So um, we got a clip. Um, yeah. Let me just, uh, uh, sorry, I'll leave time here for your uh, comments as I set up this clip from Caulfield. Yeah, and... It's, it's interesting because, obviously, Cole Caulfield, you said nine shots. Uh, listen, he knows what he does well, and he does it quite often. And the other side of the coin with that, getting back to what you talked about with criticism that he faced for his performance last week, we saw that at the World Juniors last year. Because the, the United States team last year at the World Juniors, they underperformed expectations. They mm-hmm. weren't as good as what people thought. And 
a lot of that had to do, or seemingly a lot of it had to do, uh, at least in the eyes of Montreal Canadiens fans, Cole Caulfield was not good enough, and he wasn't much of a factor. And when you draft a guy like that, who is so clearly, listen, and nothing that I that I say here is meant to disrespect Cole Caulfield, it's just at different points in your development, you can be classified at diff- as different things. And right now, Cole Caulfield is, is one-dimensional. There's, there's no other way to put That's it true. other than that. He is one-dimensional, and that's fine because there's plenty of guys that have made fine careers out of being that one-dimensional guy that can put the puck in the net because at the end of the day, and we've known this for the last, what, 20 years, the Montreal Canadiens need guys that can put pucks in the net, (laughs) and they Mm -hmm. haven't had many of them. And if Cole Caulfield can carve out a niche, carve out a role as as being that guy and doing that, that's great, but there's going to need to be a part of the more attention to detail in the defensive zone, just an overall uh, looking as though he is interested in what's happening when he doesn't have the puck. And that's a common thing that you hear about players that are that way. We say that all the time about Jonathan Drouin. And you hope that perhaps there's a little bit more of a overall game to Cole Caulfield, but with his stature, with his size, you have to understand that there's going to be some things that he's just not going to do. And I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's going into the corner to dig out a loose puck. It's just not looking like it's going to be, he's going to be that kind of guy. But with that said, yes, we we do have a clip of him describing what was a, a very uh, strange looking goal that he scored <laughs> in the first period last night. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of just always on movement. Um, you know, just finding myself able to get the puck and um, kind of was just skiing around the zone. And uh, luckily enough, I got to get it through and it went in. Um, yeah, I mean, you're looking for guys in front, but you're also looking to get it through the, the defenders there. Their sticks are really good, so you got to kind of make moves before you even shoot. So, um, yeah, luckily enough, that made it all the way through. It's a hard thing to do, and um, yeah, we're happy to have the lead. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky. I mean, there's some teams that aren't playing, so we don't take this for granted. I'm really thankful, and um, yeah, we don't have our whole team here, but, um, you know, it's fun. You get to play more, and um, yeah, just happy to be playing hockey again. He now has six goals uh, this season. Gorniak uh, surprisingly has three uh, this season. Um, but as as he described, and we apologize for the quality of the audio there. Yeah. It, it uh, in an arena, uh, and after the first intermission, it wasn't as clear as we'd like. But we wanted to bring you uh, Caulfield's comments. Um, but he, you know, he he said uh, uh, his main goal was um, trying to get the puck through. And full credit to him, he did that. His brother Brock uh, screening in front of the Ohio State net. Um, he uh, got the puck around the defenseman through the through traffic, past Brock, uh, and past the goaltender. Uh, not a not a. It was described as a bar down shot, but a sixty five yeah. foot one, uh, <laughs> which it was. But it it yep. was a bit more of a floater coming in. It wasn't a bullet by any means. But uh, credit to uh, Caulfield for um, uh, getting it through. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, his performance came not with a, a full Canadian uh, uh, contingent uh, watching uh, last night. Uh, would have been great to have that, but but that's it's it's playing playing uh, when no, you know people watch. I mean, he's going to be under pressure every yeah. single night uh, when he's with the Canadians, so might as well get used to it now. And as you very accurately said. Um, he kind of wilted under that uh, pressure uh, at the World Juniors last year. Yeah. Um, and he admits it himself. There was a, a quote that came out this week 
um, after Tuesday's game, I believe, he said uh, about uh, the last World Juniors, I didn't perform at the level that I could and that I wanted to. I've been thinking about uh, it ever since we lost, and that's something I've trained for. The team we have now, the U.S. team he's talking about, is at the gold medal level. That's how we'll approach all the tournaments, and those are the expectations. He knows there's expectations. He knows yeah. that there's Canadians fans and Canadians management watching him, and he doesn't want the same result um, again this year. Now, uh, the the um, the University of Wisconsin. I said they were in Columbus. Uh, in Ohio for uh, the game last night. They'll travel, they're traveling today to um, uh, the Badgers' next game is against Michigan State, so they're headed to Michigan. Uh, it's it's just handy because uh, Cole will leave the team. The team plays Michigan State, uh, the Badgers do, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, but Cole will go on to Plymouth, Michigan, uh, where the uh, U.S. team is, will be uh, training, and that uh, camp opens on uh, Sunday. So Caulfield will arrive in time for that. Yeah, and, and yeah, of course, I think it, I say this every year. There there's, might be too much that's made of performances at World Juniors because we've seen guys that haven't had great performances go on to have great careers. And on the opposite side of the coin, guys who've had great performances that don't live up in the NHL. So it's, it's a tournament that catches a lot of eyes and it doesn't ultimately mean anything for what the player might be in the NHL, but it's a good opportunity to see them play the best at their age group. So um, another guy that's going to get that opportunity is a uh, Jan Mishak who uh, was invited to the uh, world junior camp uh, for the Czech Republic, uh, the 2020 second round pick for the Montreal Canadians. Um, he's somebody that uh, Habs fans are very excited about and they'll most likely get an opportunity to see him play. Uh, for the Czech Republic at the upcoming World Juniors, it's great. Um, he's he's invited to the camp, and uh, uh, it, it'll be a great experience for him, whether or not he makes the team. Let's hope he does. Yeah. Um, he was interviewed this week by TVI. The, the interesting thing is, um, uh, the uh, the reporter said, "Hi, how are you doing?" He answered, uh, um, "How are you? I'm doing really well." He answered in <laughs> French. Oh, really? He did. He wow. answered in French. And uh, uh, he said, he, he the reporter was taken aback and said, yeah. uh, where did this come from? Because the reporter said it was pretty good French. And yeah. uh, Jan said that uh, there's a good friend of his mother's who speaks French. Uh, so he reached out uh, to this friend of his mom's. Um, and, uh, and he got lessons, uh, over the last wow. few weeks. Um, he said he knows that, that, uh, language is, is very important in Montreal. Um, he's curious and wants to mm -hmm. learn. Uh, he's looking for ways to improve himself on and off the ice. And I was just like, wow. Um, listen, th this is the guy who reached out to Thomas Placanitz to get yeah. point. And now he's reaching out to a friend of his mom's. Uh, to uh, to to begin uh, his his French lessons. This is this is a smart kid. Uh, yeah, and uh, I was I was very impressed when I heard that. I mean, that's quite a level of dedication early on to start this process right now. I think it shows that he's got a great head on his shoulders and might uh, be somebody who. Um, and obviously, it's early on. Obviously, he was just drafted, but 
he seems like somebody that has the 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 type of personality that that might thrive in, in a Montreal environment. And obviously, that's that's too that might be too early to say. And we always want to temper expectations. But reaching out to Thomas Plakanich now that that's that is very impressive. Um, any other scoring highlights you'd like to get to? Obviously, we touched on Jack Gorniak. His touched on Gorniak and, and, and his great performances. Yeah, he uh, yeah. he he should be. I, I'm I'm disappointed that the the media and fans aren't paying more attention. And of course, he gets overshadowed by by Cole yeah. Caulfield. We understand that, but uh, he should be uh, respected as well. And and listen, um, me if anyone has a bone to pick with Jack Gorniak because. He was sick as a dog when we interviewed him last year, and and I got sick immediately oh. after that. But I hold no grudges against no grudge no, against Jack Gorniak. <laughs> um, the other goals this week, uh, Jacob uh, Olafson got his uh, first goal of the season. Um, we had uh, Sean Farrell picking up uh, an assist. Uh, we might have more about uh, Sean Farrell on uh, AllHabs.net sometime this week. Uh, and this morning, uh, a game going on right now, uh, we have uh, a, a goal from um, Matthias Norlander for wow. for Lunda. So he's currently got uh, two goals, two assists, four points in uh, 16 games. And that, I think, is our Canadians prospect report. Perfect. And yeah, it's as we've been saying the last number of weeks, of course, we know that the Canadians... Uh, ended the loan of Jesperi Kotkaniemi, but there are still other prospects that have been playing and continue to play, oh. and we'll bring you all of that information. One more note. Uh, yeah. Lucas Vedemo ended his uh, loan, and, uh. Uh, and we know he was loaned, um, and uh, like like Kotkaniemi, he's on his, his way back to Montreal so that uh, he can be part of the Canadians' training camp whenever that happens. Yeah, whenever that happens. Uh. <laughs> And that's why we saw the lone end for Kotkaniemi, why we're seeing it now uh, for Lucas Vedemo. Um, and Rick, we'll move on to one of our favorite segments here on this podcast. They said what? And this week we heard from quite a few members of the Canadians organization, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, we heard from Habs assistant coaches Dominic Ducharme and Luke Richardson, as well as development coach Francis Bouillon. Um, we have clips to play. Uh, for Frank, for Francis Bouillon, Frankie Boo, and Luke Richardson, we do not, however, have any audio of Dominic Ducharme. We don't, and I'm really disappointed by that. And it's funny that we talk about Jan Mishak, um, not even a member of the organization yet, but going the extra step to uh, yeah. learn uh, the language, uh, learn another language. Uh, that would be his third. Um, Dom Ducharme, um, okay, uh, a lot of French media asked him questions and he responded in French. However, uh, Eric Ingalls was on the call and asked him two questions and, and, uh, Eric Ingalls gave him the choice of, of answering in English and, and French. He said, you know, you're, you're welcome to answer in French. And Ducharme chose to answer those questions in French. So we don't have audio. Well, I should say Pat Hickey asked two completely irrelevant questions about <laughs> playing with Marty St. Louis and something about the world, uh, the uh, Team Canada. Um, so that didn't really seem uh, appropriate. But I, I, was, I was pretty disappointed um, by Ducharme. We want to hear from him. We heard from Muller yeah. last week. We're going to hear from uh, uh, Luke Richardson shortly. 
Um, especially because Dom Ducharme is the one that, uh, you know, people are saying, talking about being groomed for the head coaching position once Claude Julien goes. Um, yeah. And, um, I mean, Dom Ducharme, in any language, is the king of a cliché. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, some of his answers in French, there, there wasn't much there anyway. Um, he talked about, uh, you know, uh, I'm not expecting big changes, uh, but we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we can prepare because we don't know if it's going to be a full season or a short. Well, we know it's going to be a, a short. Yeah, we know that. Uh, it's pretty obvious at this point. Um, but I was just disappointed. And it goes back to 2018 when we, I think it was 2018, the World Juniors. Um, yeah. We interviewed Dom, Dom Ducharme as head coach of Team Canada. And um, and he said to me, um, um, do I have to reply in English? I, I, don't, I don't like doing interviews in English. So, um, listen, he, if, he, if this is something he's uncomfortable about, that's okay. I'm unco- yeah. uncomfortable at times uh, in French too, uh, in French. Yeah. So um, that's okay. Um, we know that Jeff Molson has uh, mandated um, French classes for um, many of his players. Um, and and I, I just wonder, Jeff, where are you on this? Uh, why aren't you yeah. setting up English classes for um, you know some of some of your players, some of your staff? Uh, particularly for those that um, that 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 are going to be moved up uh, at some point, yeah. Joel Bouchard included. Um, anyway, it's 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 a disappointment. But having said that, we have audio from from uh, Frankie uh, Bouillon and Luke Richardson. We got plenty of audio for you in the yeah. they said what uh, segment this morning. And Luke Richardson is the MVP of this because we do have a lot from Luke Richardson. And just to touch on your point there about uh, about Dominic Ducharme is we know that Claude Julian, if he's asked a question in English, that is the same of one that he <laughs> that he answered in French. He doesn't like to answer it, but he'll still answer questions in English. I mean, you know, it's it's something that obviously it's not the perfect situation, but you know, at the very least, he he does give you something if you mm-hmm. ask uh, an original question, and even though different languages, every question is is original if it's in a different language. But I digress. I just wanted to make that point there. Uh, but Rick, we'll get into this, uh, and we'll start with uh, one from Francis Bouillon, the only one that we have of, of Francis Bouillon before we get into uh, Luke Richardson. Uh, Francis Bouillon touched on Kale Fleury, and I think that that's a very interesting player to watch heading into this season because we did see him at the beginning of last season then he was sent down and and he made a point to say that there wasn't a whole lot of direction for him uh francis bouillon touched on kale flurry and, and him wanting to improve i think for kale um it's it, it, it's it, it's a um, thing of confidence uh he uh when he when he made the step to junior to the ahl in naval uh he started he's a kind of shy guy you know he's uh but he wants to learn. Like he's uh, he's a sponge. Uh, when you talk to him, when I when I I, I need him when I was junior, even in uh, Laval, like he wants to learn. He wants to be better. And uh, I figured. And when he, he made the step in Montreal, he was playing really well uh, the first half of the season. And after that, it seems like uh, he lose uh, confidence. Uh, he make a lot of mistake. Try to keep the the the, uh, the puck uh, too long sometime uh, before he's making his play. So I think that was a great. Um, uh, that was a good uh, good thing that he set him down in Laval. 
But uh, for him, uh, I like his size. I like the way he's playing. He's pretty physical too. Uh, he's good defensively. From what I what I think right now, it's uh, only a, a lack of confidence, maybe. But uh, I'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna be a regular uh, defenseman in the NHL uh, one day. A really good breakdown of of Cal Fleury by Francis Bouillon there, and yeah. and I should say. Um, we know he was himself a defenseman, but when he was brought into the organization three years ago, he had no coaching experience whatsoever. That is Francis Bullion. Um, yeah. And they've kind of uh, hived off a role here for him. He was asked questions about European players. He was asked questions about forwards. And he said, listen, I focus on uh, defensemen and, and I focus uh, on North American, uh, North American defensemen. Uh, leave everything else uh, to Rob Ramage. Um, yeah. And um, so he's, he's, um, he's, he's growing, he's developing, he's learning, um, and he's uh, able to, uh, as I said, break down uh, pretty succinctly uh, the things that uh, a player like Cale Fleury uh, has to work on. And uh, a lot of it is just as as uh, Bullion said, um, is confidence. It's an issue of confidence, yeah. and that confidence faltered in the second half. Uh, and as he said, he started to hold on to the puck too long and and uh, make uh, make mistakes, and 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 then was sent uh, to Laval uh, to kind of build up his confidence. Uh, confidence, but there's so many aspects of his game uh, that are positive. Uh, a, a very physical player. Uh, yeah. He's very good with his stick, and um, and uh, so he could be in the mix um, uh, for that third uh, pairing defense spot uh, when when camp opens, and and it looks like he'll be under consideration. I, he's one to watch. Yeah, you go ahead. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say uh, we have a couple more clips uh, from yeah. uh, uh, Francis Boulian, but. Um, uh, to hear those, and they're on um, uh, Struble and uh, Jordan Harris. Uh, you're going to have to listen to the press zone coming up this week. Uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll air those clips on the press zone, uh, which should be out Tuesday this week. Yeah, and if you want to hear a breakdown of those two, like you just did from Francis Bouillon on Kale Fleury, uh, yeah, you're definitely going to want to check out uh, the press zone, the next episode of the press zone. Um, so Rick, I mean, this is really a segment uh, or this, this, uh, the segment of this podcast, they said, what, this is really devoted to defensemen, uh, mm-hmm. essentially. And Luke Richardson, uh, he was asked quite a few questions and we have quite a few clips here of him talking about another young defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, one that has a lot of excitement around him, Alexander Romanoff and Luke Richardson, uh, starting off by describing the type of player that Alexander Romanoff is. Well, yeah, he, you know, I've had a chance to see him play some games in the world juniors and uh, he's a really competitive player. And we saw that first day in first practice, he laid out a couple of our guys uh, weren't expecting him uh, either being to do that, but uh, he's competitive and uh, no apologies type of player. Um, Very, uh, he was very wide eyed, uh, open, asking questions, listening. Um, He's really eager to come over here and show his stuff and we're excited to have him. So uh, one of those guys that he laid out was uh, Jake Evans. Um, and that was in the, in practice in the bubble. And, um, yeah. and it was a very, I saw, I, I saw the clip of that. 
Um, and and Romanoff's, uh, you know, uh, no apologies kind of guy, uh, as as uh, Luke Richardson said. Uh, Listen, it's practice. I, I practice hard. I play hard. Um, uh, I knock you down. That's that's yeah. that's part of the deal. Um, so it, it was uh, it was that was his introduction to his teammates and his coaches. Uh, and and we have to remember that was a big step for the Canadians to bring Romanoff to the bubble ahead of some other players because the the rosters were limited and yeah. that also burned burned the first year of of uh romanov's con yeah so that was yeah. a, that was a bit of a big deal it, yeah it certainly was but yeah you you see in that that alexander romanov is someone who believes that you practice how you play and if he plays like that with that type of aggression then i think the montreal canadians are are, are going to be very happy with the way that he plays uh and richardson also touched on it he sort of touched on it there the energy that he plays with. He loves to get up the ice uh, and shoot the puck. And he's a very active player. Um, defensively, he hits hard. Uh, he loves getting down. Uh, he's not afraid of blocking a shot. Um, uh, you know, he loves to take the low pass away on two on ones. He, he, he's very good at uh, uh, getting down low, but then recovering and getting right back up his, on his feet. He's very ac- athletic and agile. And he just plays every drill with uh, energy. You just love to watch him go. You think uh, Luke Richardson likes uh, this player that he's getting? I I think so. (laughs) I think so too. Uh, He's very complimentary uh, throughout. uh, And and I mean, there were many more clips on, on Romanoff uh, that we're not going to include today. Uh, He just went on and on and on praising him. It's not like the Canadians to uh, be this publicly high on a, on a prospect. Usually, as we say, you like to temper expectations, but uh, Luke Richardson and 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 Richardson's not alone. We, we know um, others have uh, in in their news uh, press conferences have have done the same thing. But uh, Richardson was very precise and very detailed when talking about uh, Alexander Romanov. If nothing else, Alexander Romanov has made one heck of a first impression. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that Luke Richardson also said about Alexander Romanov is that he learns from his mistakes. I think he's going to be a, a guy that learns quick. And, and if he gets fooled once, uh, just with getting accustomed to the league, he, he seems to adjust and learn very quickly and it doesn't happen again. So that's nice to see. So he's going to have things to learn uh, about yep. the league, about the style of play about the size of the ice surface, there's going to be adjustments. But um, Richardson's pretty confident that uh, those uh, those lessons will be learned very quickly. And, I mean, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, you also heard Claude Julien say about Nick Suzuki, you only have to tell him something once. And if that's anything like Alexander Romanoff in this case, then that's, that's a pretty good shout from uh, Luke Richardson. Uh, but, Rick, as we know... And he touched on it. Expectations are high for Alexander Romanov. Some have gone to as as far to just pencil him in on that third pair. And and listen, we've we've said that that's probably where he's going to end up. But at the end of the day, uh, and Luke Richardson is going to touch on it here in a minute. There there's a lineup. There's a spot there, but he's got to earn it. 
Yeah, from what we've seen, we're very excited. You know, obviously we have to have let him have a chance to come in and, and, and earn that spot and prove it, but it, but it's there for him to, to do that. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, from all indications of watching him just practice and play some games in the World Juniors, and, you know, we've evaluated players before and you've seen them come out of the World Juniors uh, as stars and, and do very well in the NHL and top players. So we're, we're expecting... Um, you know nothing less than that from uh, uh, Romanov. He's he's uh, like I said before. He's he's a very uh, excitable player. Uh, exciting to watch. He plays with uh, passion and excitement, and that's always fun. And that'll look really great on a Saturday night in the Bell Center. Wow, <laughs> that certainly would look very good on a Saturday night. That's uh, again really high praise. Uh, he said we've seen players uh, that have come from a. Uh, you know, a, a, a junior level or and a world junior and step into the lineup and make an impact and become uh, productive NHL players. And we're expecting that from this player, uh, which is um, that's quite a statement. And and the other thing is saying that uh, it's it's his position to lose kind of thing. His yeah. name is already penciled in. And we saw Claude Julien in his Zoom conference. He had a piece of paper uh, next to him with a, a you know uh, a lineup penciled out. We're pretty sure that uh, Alexander Romanov's name was in there uh, on the the defensive pairs. Yeah, you you would have to imagine, and everything that's uh, that's happened, uh, it seems as though the Montreal Canadiens are very high on Alexander Romanov. The one thing that's that's going to be interesting um, is the communication process and how they are going to try to communicate. With Alexander Romanov, we know. I mean, of course, he's from Russia. His, his English might not be at the at the level where you would like it, and we've we, we've heard it. And it's it's obviously going to be something uh, that he might uh, need to work on. But what is that process going to be like? And Luke Richardson said that that process has sort of already begun. Communication-wise, already started that. Uh, it was a great move to bring him over in the bubble. He got a lot of experience watching the games, being around the guys. Um, you know working with uh, the coaches and watching how we practice. So that, that was the first step. Uh, it was a great idea. It worked well. And, um, you know, he really took advantage of it. And, and that's going to help him coming into this year. It won't be like he's coming in, you know, not knowing what's going on or who everybody is. I think he's already got a step ahead of guys that are coming in fresh. So that's a great thing. Um, as for ice time, you know, I guess he dictates that really, uh, he'll get the opportunity and we're really excited to have him and what we've seen from him, not just in the world juniors and from our pro scouts watching him in the KHL, but, but what we saw from him in the practice and bubbles. And I know it's practice, but, but he really showed, uh, the intangibles of what he's good at. And that is killing plays with a stick in his body, really physical, um, uh, and the excitement, he just jumping on his skates that when he does separate a puck, he gets it moving offensively quickly. And, and not to say he's going to be a huge offensive guy. We don't know. That'll, that'll, time will tell with that. But I, I think he has a potential of being, like I said, that second wave guy in the offense. Uh, he's got a heavy shot. Everybody nowadays can shoot the puck. So he's got to get up there and, and uh, get the timing right and have his opportunities there. And, and all that put together will let us know, um, you know, where, where he's going to be. And there might be some games that we're line matching. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, he's on a, a pair that ma- matches against another line well or two lines that he's going to be out there a lot. And there'll be some nights where maybe it's uh, Shea and Ben out there that, uh, you know, against a big heavy line that they're they're more experienced, that they're playing a little bit more. 
and there might be a night where where we're splitting up the the pairs and there there's an injury and there's different guys and Shea and uh Romanov are out there uh you know killing against uh, a big a big line on the other team you know those are that's time time will tell for that uh at this point in time, from what I've seen, I have no, I'm not scared at all that he, he's not able to do any kind of job in the NHL, but you know, we don't want to put too much pressure on him. I think he'll, he's such a competitive guy. He'll do that himself. We just need to help guide him. And uh, I think his, uh, his attitude of killing plays, especially will add to the way we play. That's, we like to have the puck and he's going to play into that role for us um, extremely well. I just kept saying, wow, as, as throughout yeah. uh, all of this commentary on Alexander Romanov, um, you know, he will get the opportunities. He will dictate the, the ice time he gets by the play. Uh, it doesn't sound like they're going to shelter him like a, like a Victor Meta. He, if, and, and saying that, that he can do any job. Um, yeah. They're not scared in putting him in any role. And, and we're all assuming that Romanov's going to take over the the, the third pairing um, uh, position, but uh, Luke Richardson seems to think that there will be matchups, there will be nights, there will be situations uh, where you might see um, uh, Alex paired with Shea Weber. Um, yeah. Wow, that, that's <laughs> that's quite a statement when he hasn't played a game yet. Yeah, that is, I mean, listen, no pressure, kid, but we might pencil you in alongside Shea Weber uh, in some situations. And, of course, as we always say, want to temper temper those expectations. But to hear Luke Richardson say these things, that's that's not nothing. There's something to be made of, of what he's saying there. And, and I think that it is that Alexander Romanoff might have the personality and the play style that he can thrive in the NHL right away. But of course, we need to wait and see and let him develop at whatever pace it is that, that he needs. But uh, that is a good shout from Luke Richardson for sure. Uh, but Rick, so moving on, because, you know, obviously Alexander Romanoff dominates much of the conversation because he is, you know, that exciting prospect that Luke Richardson said. Uh, Richardson also touched on the defensive core overall, and, and he said that the depth has certainly improved. I'm very excited to you know work with these guys. Obviously, some of them before, but uh, some of the new guys coming in, like Edmondson, uh, admired his play. Uh, real strong defensive defenseman, strong, tough, competitive. So he'll fit in really nice uh, with our group. And um, you know, again, Romanov with that uh, electricity in his game. And then we have guys coming up, you know, Mete still learning, getting better. Uh, we saw what Kulak could do in, in the bubble, you know, and at times over the last two years, you can really skate and be effective uh, along with the big three that we have. And then, you know, the depth with our group is really the most impressive thing. I think in the last few years, when we get one guy with injury or, or two guys down, not, not that we were in big trouble. It's just, we just didn't have the depth to kind of keep the, level of defending at the same level that we we can and what we showed at in the bubble so uh this is a really good uh, step for the organization i think mark's done a great job uh you know kind of putting together this uh lineup especially the back end for myself looking at that really gives us a chance like i said to, to have a lot of stability back there a lot of depth where really you don't miss a beat and you can really just be consistent all year and that's what we got to get better at so there's going to be some movement. There's going to be some mixing and matching, depending on how things work out, depending on, on uh, you know, the, their opponent. Um, 
and uh, but it seems like the 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 style of play, and he, he uh, Luke mentioned this in his, in his last answer, was uh, they want their defensemen to kill the the opposition's play. Uh, they wanna they wanna have the puck, so they want to terminate the play as soon as possible. Uh, Edmondson, uh, Joel Edmondson, uh, being going to be a big part of that. Uh, Romanoff, he's already talked about. Uh, he wants Meta to get in there and and uh, separate the puck away. Uh, and then he talked about the big three. It seems like that name is sticking. Uh, the big three, yeah. uh, which has uh, other content. <laughs> connotations in in montreal lore uh but uh, the big three is uh, attached to uh to to uh Sherat and petrie and weber uh seems to have stuck yeah and, and <clears throat> i mean when you look at it for the montreal canadians i think and we've talked about this before it's a very they're going against the grain here in a very interesting way where the trend has been the mobile puck moving uh defensive units they're going the opposite way and i think that 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 might fit. That might be a good way to go when you have Shea Weber is to just try to tailor this blue line to be like Shea Weber and be that hard-nosed physical presence. Um, it's hard to be as hard-nosed and as physical as Shea Weber, mind you, but you know, it, it's a very interesting strategy that they're going with here, and I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, but he also sort of touched on how that defensive depth is going to provide them a little bit more uh, more options for that third defensive pair um i think if you have let's say uh, not that he would play there but like a big experienced guy like edmondson um not at all i can remember you know for years seeing uh guys playing the offside uh on purpose uh, that's just where they feel more comfortable so um you know i mean i think I think our, our biggest thing is, you know, obviously we were we were low on depth on the left side, but I think generally we were low in depth, period, where now Mark's really filled that gap for us on, on defense for sure. Um, we have we have a, a really solid group that's got experience in the NHL. we got some youth and excitement coming in with Romanov. Um, and also we have, you know, some great prospects uh, that have played some games for us already that, that are going to be battling it out, you know what I mean, and uh, and have different opportunities through the year probably to play with us. So I, I think the, the group that we have, um, I don't think it's going to really uh, be the guy that who can play the right side the best uh, on that third pairing. I, I think it'll be just who fits in well with who on a certain night against a certain team. But like I said before, the the depth that we have is the big point that has been, you know, crossed off the, the need list. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Romanov coming in and getting Edmondson at the same time uh, with our, you know, our, our big three that played so well in the, in the playoff bubble that are healthy, uh, signed, ready to go. And then you have, you know, guys like Kulek and Mete that can really skate. And then you have those guys that uh, like Juleson, uh, Brooke, uh, you know, I mean, um, Flurry that played uh, some really good games for us. Like that's a really good depth uh, chart there for us to have in the NHL. So depth gives you options, and uh, yeah, it it seems that going into this training camp, um, there's in in Claude Julien's uh, little penciled in uh, lineup, there's <laughs> one spot open, and that's yeah. on the right side of the third pairing, uh, presumably Alexander Romanov. Um, uh, pencil uh, more than penciled in on on the left, yeah. and he can move up <laughs> from there. But that one spot, 
And interesting, um, I thought, uh, with Luke Richardson saying that it's not necessarily going to be the best guy, the best defenseman uh, that fits into uh, that that uh, third pairing uh, role on the right side. It's who fits best, um, and it who fits best based on the situation, based on the the opponent. Uh, and there's a lot of options there. Uh, yeah. Victor Meta, Kulak, uh, Juleson, Flurry, uh, Brooke, all of them were mentioned. And uh, Luke Richardson seems to like that he has all of those weapons, all those tools in the toolbox to be able to uh, throw in there from time to time. And, you know, he's sort of touched on there where you have guys in the NHL that play the offside, play their offside because they're more comfortable there because that might be the best thing for their team. And the guy that he mentioned here, um, Victor Mete, as needing to be a guy that can play well on both sides, because that might be the spot, that might be the only spot that you can get if you're Victor Mete. Yeah, and he was coming off a pretty uh, severe ankle injury, so we weren't really sure where he was going to be. I think, obviously, the stoppage in play helped him, uh, like it did some players. And, you know, Mete's a competitive guy. He's a quiet guy. He's not a physical guy. You know, we're, we're on him lots to, to really get in there quick and separate the puck quicker. I think at times he does that well, and then at times he's has struggled in that in the past. And we've talked about it. We work on it, and uh, we know that, you know, He's got to get better at that, and and he has at times. So we got to make sure he continues to do that, to uh, continue on in his NHL career and evolve. But I think his agility and his quickness help him play both sides of the ice. Um, you know, he he's a guy that has to play angles. He's not going to be a guy like Edmondson that can bully a guy and physically pound him into the boards and cut off his uh, time and space that way. It's going to be um, a quick. Uh, hit and run type of attitude. He's got to put a guy in a, in a position that he doesn't like. And that's why on the offside, sometimes it's a little easier to get a guy to cut back up the wall. And that's when he cuts, he's so quick, he's got to stop and get right through his hands because he's not a big bully physically on the body and steal a puck and go on the offense that way. So that's where it helps Victor. And he's definitely worked on it. He's really uh, trying to get comfortable at it. And he's got to get comfortable in that on both sides because uh, the position that he's in in our depth chart, he's got to be able to play the right or the left at, at any point in time. And I think he's shown that, like you said, in the bubble. Uh, but he's got to continue to keep working on that and getting better. And that just makes us a stronger group. How honest is that? How transparent yeah. is that? Um, and we're, we're talking about the, the defenseman here, but the, the defenseman uh, that's showing his quality to the organization um, is former defenseman Luke Richardson. Uh, what This is the kind of coach that you want to play for, uh, yeah. who's open, honest, uh, will help you, uh, 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 will identify the things you need to improve, help you through those things, um, and, uh, you know, when there were so many problems, uh, so many communication problems and, uh, and, and interpersonal kind of disputes with JJ Daniel from before Luke Richardson's been a breath of fresh air. Uh, and this, this is, this is amazing. He's being honest with Victor Meta. where you are in the depth chart. Um, you've, you've got to play it. You've got to be versatile. You've got to learn yeah. to play both sides. Uh, because that will give you um, an opportunity for a spot. Um, and listen, you're not a physical player. Uh, let's not make you into a physical player. Let's let's use your uh, skills to, in different ways, separate uh, uh, the uh, op- opposition from the puck. Uh, use your angles better. 
use yeah. that hit and run kind of technique. Um, this this is uh, this is terrific and and great insight and credit to the Canadians for finally allowing. We don't usually uh, get access to the assistant coaches uh, for finally uh, letting them uh, come to the microphone. This has been uh, I I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, and it's not it's not done just yet because he also touched on. Uh, Noah Juleson, and he's a bit of a forgotten man because, of course, we know that he's been dealing with the, you know, after effects of the concussion that he suffered after that uh, really unfortunate game against the Washington Capitals where he took two shots to the face. Um, and he's been, you know, fighting an uphill battle with that. He just got back to playing before everything was paused. And now. Here is Luke Richardson talking about Noah Juleson needing to play. Well, he's got like uh, all the attributes. Everybody's seen like he's had some great uh, nights in the NHL and some and great opportunities to play as a young player. And that that experience alone will take go a long way for him. Unfortunately, the the injuries that he's had, um, you know, it took a while. And, and you've seen that over the years with guys uh, with um whether it be head injuries or vision injuries or or whatever, uh, you know, even Petri's Bergeron is a great example. He missed a lot of time as a young player um, and came back and is one of the best centers in, in the league for years. So, you know, not comparing the two, it's just comparing the time lost. Uh, you know, I mean, I think he has an opportunity, still young, lots of NHL experience. Now he needs, needs to get back and play some games. Uh, he, he was able to be part of our uh, bubble and he got some great time there. I spent lots of time with him, talking to him about, uh, you know, just elevating certain parts of his game back to where he needs it to be at the NHL level. And uh, he's such a bright kid. Uh, he takes um, information in, he analyzes it and he tries to put it into his game. Uh, it, it's not going to take long for him to get back up to speed. It just, he's going to need some game time. And, uh, you know, that's unfortunately everybody's in a waiting period time. So this is a situation that's probably not helping a guy like that. He needs to get back out there and play. So we're excited to see where he's going to take that. So uh, a little bit of code there. Um, he has the talent. He has the intelligence. Um, he just needs to, to play in order to uh, elevate his game to the NHL level. Uh, to me, that says that uh, they're thinking that Noah Juleson probably starts in Laval and really yeah. needs game time. Uh, he just needs he needs uh, experience. He needs uh, to be on the ice uh, to get his play back to the level that they needed at. Um, and but but is another option uh, throughout yeah. the year to, uh, as a call up. And I mean, something would be resembling a bit of a, if you were coming off of uh, anything else, like a, like a leg injury or something, something resembling a conditioning stint, he just needs to get back into the game action. And I think the best way to do that is by easing into it a little bit, start at the AHL, work your way up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just unfortunate because we saw what he was when he got injured and what he was becoming when he got injured. And it's just, uh, yeah, as, as Luke Richardson said, just a, a very unfortunate situation all around. And you hope that he can uh, find that level again. Uh, but, you know, Luke Richardson, uh, touching a little bit here on these young players, there's not a whole lot of certainty in young players. Sometimes, you know, they don't work out what you think they might be. And other times they turn into reliable, star, uh, you know, incredible defensemen. And one of those guys is Shea Weber. 
So there's a little bit more certainty when you talk about Shea Weber. And here's Luke Richardson talking about just the kind of leader that Shea Weber is. Well, you know, uh, Shea's uh, a quiet a guy vocally, uh, whether it be maybe in the media or sometimes, um, you know, I mean, he's just this quiet, serious guy. And I can understand that and relate to that a lot. Uh, but when it when he, when he gets competitive and the game is on the line, uh, you see this leadership come forward. And I think... Um, He's got such a presence in that area that I think you you see guys gradually follow it, look look to him uh, for a calming uh, uh, you know influence. And if something disastrous happened on the ice and he's not happy about it, he's he's going to explode and let you know. Uh, and when he explodes and lets you know, I think it doesn't frighten guys. I think it's like we better pick our boots up and go here. Like that that he's upset, we should be upset. Um, he really leads in the right way in, in a lot of those areas. And, you know, I mean, nothing but, uh, you know, I mean, pleasure for me to, to be a part of a coaching staff to coach him and have relations with him. I have a, you know, really good relationship with uh, all the D and I, I try and feel open and communicative with all of them. And, you know, Claude has a lot going on on the bench uh, and in practice with 20, 25 players every day that, it's our job to get his message across to them. So you've got to spend more time talking to them individually. Well, this is what he needs. This is what he needs. And this is what we've got to get done. And, uh, you know, Shea really understands that and, and and can help myself in that area and not affect his game, which is a sign of a real leader. So, um, and, and, and we know Claude Julien communication isn't his thing. Um, but uh, Luke Richardson sees his job as, as of course, supporting um, uh, uh, the head coach uh, supporting Julian and and being the intermediary between uh, Julian and and the defenseman. Uh, but who supports uh, Luke Richardson? That's Shea Weber. Uh, he helps uh, get that message across, and and Luke Richardson's doing a great job. Uh, but yeah. he's he's assisted uh, ably uh, by Shea Weber, who. Uh, this is, we've said before, this is uh, Shea Weber's team. This is Carey Price's team. Uh, guys look to both of them, and, uh, and they, they lead, they set the tone, and, uh, and that, that can only help uh, uh, Richardson do his job uh, effectively. I would not want to be there when Shea Weber explodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me say that. Uh, it's uh, I don't know how that's not fear, but uh, the respect, I think, that you have for Shea Weber uh, helps in that. But uh, the one thing that will be interesting to watch, because, of course, um, we've talked about it with Carey Price a lot, because, of course, Carey Price uh, hasn't had a real competent backup goaltender to ease his workload. With Shea Weber also getting up there in age, it's going to be start. You're going to have to start having the conversation about easing his workload. And, and Luke Richardson touched on that. We always say that. And I know Claude looks at ice time sometimes in between periods and he lifts his eyebrow and he's like, Hey, the big guy's got a lot of minutes already. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's just, it's just uh, where we've been. Uh, he, he's used to those minutes. He plays well on those minutes, but definitely we, you don't want to wear somebody out. Uh, but, uh, you know, I want to make sure that he's engaged in that game as much as possible when we need him. Um, you know, I think, I think the depth is going to help, uh, our whole team, uh, but a guy like Shea Weber for sure. Uh, you know, I think it, it just mentally, it might just take a little, not pressure off him, but, um, 
knowing he's got uh, more support, he doesn't have to maybe conserve here and there to try and make it through a game where he knows he's going to play like 25 plus minutes and he plays physical and we know how physical he is. So that takes a lot out of you and you add that up, like you said. And, and I think this year, if there's any indication of condensing games together, whether it be back to backs or three and four nights, we're, we're definitely going to have to manage that. And, um, I think the depth that's been brought in has been extremely valuable in, in that aspect alone. So I think you're, you're right. We'll, we'll definitely keep our eye on it, uh, but we don't want to take away from somebody that's very valuable when he's on the ice and can do it. But over the long period of time, uh, we can't hurt ourselves by doing that. So we got to really keep our eye on that and manage it properly. And I think we're suited well to do it now. You summarized it very nicely going in that uh, we understand pretty well that that uh, the the backup situation and backup goaltending situation has been improved, uh, and with that ex- experience and 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 the the depth being um, uh, raised with Jake Allen, that helps carry Price. And in the same way, the the depth on defense, uh, Luke Richardson's explaining, uh, helps can only help uh, Shea Weber and his workload. Uh, just something, just go back to. Um, uh, the the previous clip and uh, Luke Richardson said that uh, in the media, uh, Shea Weber comes across as very quiet and serious, uh, but he is passionate and can explode. And he said that's yeah. something I can relate to, uh, and he can relate to that because uh, essentially that's that's what Luke Richardson was was like as a player. So those two are are uh, I I can understand uh being yeah. on the same page. Uh Luke Richardson can understand uh Shea Weber, his temperament, um his want, uh, you know wanting to be out there every shift uh if he can help. Uh but also the coach having to manage that a little bit to make sure that uh you know he's effective throughout the season just as they do with Carey Price. Yeah, absolutely, and that's uh, as he said. It's a balance, and it's something that you're definitely going to have to monitor in a lot in a uh, I was going to say a lockout shortened season, not a lockout shortened season, but a shortened season nonetheless. Uh, one thing that will become clear as we get closer to whenever it is that the NHL starts playing again is that there will be need. Well, there's going to need to be a decision made about whether or not it's going to be the regular divisions or if the Canadians will be a a part of this all Canadian division. Uh, Luke Richardson touched on uh, the all Canadian division. A a great example is just uh, a Saturday night with the Montreal Canadians and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, you know, I mean, how, how, how much better can you get? Like I remember being a player in that uh, uh, situation and as a coach. So it's, it's, it's very exciting. So, uh, you know, who knows? I, I know nothing's been determined yet, but that would definitely be excited. Uh, we're, you know, open to anything to get back to hockey. Um, I think it would be an extremely competitive division. And uh, that would be something that's, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's just a, you know, it's the NHL. It's the best league in the world, but if there's a Canadian division, there's definitely going to be some more bragging rights there to fight for. So uh, it, it'll make all the games even more intense and uh, it'd be very fun to see. I think it, it rekindles the rivalries, but I think they're still there. Uh, I know as you know, with the Montreal Canadians, if we go to Edmonton or to Vancouver, there's still lots of transplanted people that are there in their Habs jerseys cheering us. Sometimes it feels like when we score it, we're not sure if it's a home game or away game. So uh, even in Ottawa, you know, right, you find that sometimes too. So I, I think it'll just, um, it'll give that extra spark if you're in the same division and you're fighting for playoff spots and, and for seating. 
I think um, the fans are going to love it. I think people are going to eat it up, and uh, it'll be definitely exciting uh, for everybody. So, uh, again, uh, as, a, as a former player, Luke Richardson understands this very, very well um, and, and the meaning of uh, what an all-Canadian division would, would be uh, and talks about, you know, ha- as we have always say, Habs fans are everywhere and it and, uh, doesn't matter where you go, you'll, you'll find Habs fans. And uh, I think uh, the way he, this will be our last uh, Richardson clip, um, and uh, he, it, it's a nice transition into, uh, okay, uh, an all-Canadian division, uh, but when is the season going to start? Which is what most fans are, are wondering about right now. Yeah, they certainly are, and we'll get to that uh, right now. And uh, Gary Bettman, I don't, I don't think he needed to say this, uh, but uh, the NHL, according to the commissioner, is uh, taking their time on uh, planning a new season. It's... Um... I, I I know Gary wanted to come out and and um, we we talked about last week how we haven't seen we haven't seen uh, uh, or heard um, yeah. there's been no negotiating in public which is a good thing uh, yeah. but I think Gary too uh, understands that the pandemic is raging on both sides of the border and it might seem insensitive if they start coming uh, out and and start talking about. Uh, caps and millions and div- yeah, it, it just is is not the thing. So um, his explanation is they're taking their time to get it right. Well, uh, we know there's some urgency to the matter, uh, particularly if they want to start. Uh, Gary was still saying this week that uh, the target date is January 1st. I think for all intents and purposes, that is off. Uh, we're hearing now of of a January 2nd training camp. We're hearing of maybe a f- January 15th or 16th uh, start uh, to the season, uh, maybe a game or two um, exhibition, and yeah. uh, 56 games, uh, a 56-game schedule. And I think uh, everybody is talking about, because of the, the, the border closure, um, an all-Canadian division and and the rest of the team's uh, you know, reconfigured uh, for the other three uh, divisions. The you know the NHL and NHLPA talked last uh, that I know of on on Thursday night, and um, they're still not there. I, I, I'm I'm a little dismayed by some of the the players' comments, but remember last uh, last go around in the return to play, there was a lot of players who spoke out who didn't seem to understand. Uh, their own CBA at, at the yeah. time, and we had James Van Riemsdyk and and others making some comments this week that that uh, that weren't clear. I, I guess you know when we see fans kind of picking sides. Uh, oh, it's the owner's fault. Oh, it's the player's fault. It's uh, I don't think there's uh, the commissioner's fault. I don't think there's fault here. And and no, um, if you're talking about and I see people on Twitter. Oh, I, you know, I, I will never choose the side of the billionaires over the millionaires. I think this is so silly. This is really so silly. Uh, for one, it's tougher to get an owner these days than it is a, a million-dollar player. Um, yeah. And um, this isn't about uh, making, you know, big amounts of money. That The teams are not going to be doing that. And, and even at the best of times, we know that a third of the team's uh, don't make any money at all. They lose money. Um, you don't go into hockey as a business person to make money. 
uh, you've made your money, and this is your your you know, you know you're trifling in in owning a yeah uh, a, a major league sports team. Um, so uh, please, I mean, just uh, don't don't participate in that kind of stuff yourself, and unfollow those idiots who are 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 getting political, really political. And you, as you know, we don't do politics on this show. Uh, or on on um, rocket sports at all. Um, the, the understanding is this: there's no there's no attempt to to renegotiate the CBA. Uh, the CBA that was signed five months ago, or whatever it is, um, is in force. But the players have always asked, and they they got in 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 the past uh, last few CBAs. Um, the right to be a 50-50 partner, and that's in good times and that's in bad times. You take 50% of the profits when the cash is rolling in, and you take 50% of the losses when uh, there's tough times like there is in in a pandemic. Um, No matter what happens, the CBA is set. The the owners get 50% of the revenue. The players get 50% of the revenue. So what happens when there's no revenue? Um, you know, when this was signed, it was assumed that in January there would be fans in the buildings. It's not going to happen. There's not going to be a lot of revenue coming in for the teams. And so when you have very little revenue and you have a lot of, and big salaries going out, you have an, an, an imbalance and the players are going to end up owing the teams a lot of money. Uh, and the player, the NHL, to to their credit, even though they're going to have a reduced schedule, they're not asking to prorate the salaries, which maybe I w- would like to see. Uh, they're saying, uh, let's defer some of this money, uh, so that so that you don't end up having to pay us a big bill, a big chunk at, at one time. And the the players are kind of digging in their heels, and um, I. I like I didn't, I I want to see I want to see the game start. I want to see uh uh people play. Uh that'll that'll help us during this difficult pandemic. Uh but there has to be some give and take. There has to be some sacrifice. And so many people, so many of our fans are in tough situations with businesses, with family, with illness, with bills, with all kinds of stuff. And I think that um you know when you're making millions, uh, it it you, you you maybe don't appreciate what's going on, but I think everybody's yeah. got to step back and look at the bigger picture, uh, because otherwise we're not going to have hockey. Yeah, and I think that's that, that's what it boils down to. At the end of the day, is whatever side of this that you fall on, there's going to need to be they're going to need to find some middle ground here, and if they don't, then there's not going to be any hockey to watch this year. So. Um, yeah, it doesn't look good in the middle of a pandemic to be, you know, uh, squabbling over huge amounts of money, whether you get them now or you get them when you get it later, uh, it doesn't look especially great. So, um, that's, that's something to monitor as we've always done over the past couple of weeks. Um, and even before in the pandemic, uh, when we were talking about the return to play, they needed to come to an agreement. They're going to need to do that again, if there's going to be hockey, uh, this year. So we'll wait and see. Uh, Rick, we will take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And as we uh, teed up at the very beginning of the show, when we come back, we're going to be discussing the infamous Patrick Waugh trade, 25-year anniversary of that trade, December 6th. Uh, That will be uh, tomorrow. We're recording this on the 5th. But we're going to discuss about that after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. 
Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen 19 And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, so, Rick, as, as you teed up at the start of the show... Uh, we're on two sides of a, of a, you know, the the anniversary of the Montreal Canadiens' 100th, 11th, 100th and 11th uh, anniversary, and the 25th anniversary of the Patrick Waugh trade. And these are both, uh, you know, one should be celebrated. The other one uh, is, of course, uh, one of the more, uh, one of the darker days of the franchise. And of course, we had. December 2nd, the anniversary of that game against the Detroit Red Wings, keeping Patrick Waugh in for nine goals. And last week we spoke to Anakin Slade, who has a song, Feels Like 93. Uh, there's a reason that he doesn't have one called Feels Like 95, because uh, that was not a great time to be a Montreal Canadiens fan. And this trade sort of kick-started an era in which it wasn't a great time uh, to be a Montreal Canadian fan. Just to recap... The trade was Patrick Waugh and Mike Keane for Jocelyn Thibault, Martin Ruchinski, and Andre Kovalenko. Hmm. That was the return the Montreal Canadiens got for their franchise goaltender, their two-time Stanley Cup winner, Patrick Waugh. Uh, Rick, this past week we've seen a lot of people share their thoughts. A lot of articles, one in The Athletic by Marc-Antoine Godin that I wrote, uh, that I read, and everywhere else, there's been articles popping up about this because it is one of the darkest days in the franchise history. It is. It, and it's something that sticks with people uh, that were around at the time. Um, 
but it, it uh, I, I think a lot is made that the game was <laughs> was December 2nd <laughs> uh, 1995 Detroit Red Wings in town the this was to, to put it in context uh, this was uh, in the Montreal Forum. This was uh, the Detroit Red Wings' last visit, last game in the Montreal Forum, um, and uh, it this this it was December, but the season had gotten off to a a pretty shaky start. Uh, the Canadians uh, were were blown out in the first four games of the season, and after that, uh, Ronald Corey president of the Montreal Canadiens, had seen enough, uh, and he fired uh, GM Serge Savard. He fired coach Jacques Demers uh, and brought in um, uh, Ray Janoul uh, in the GM spot, Mario Tremblay as head coach. Neither of them with any experience whatsoever. Uh, I, I mean, they were they were obviously uh, players, uh, and Mario Tremblay was a was uh, a broadcaster at that point, um, but they didn't have any managerial coaching experience whatsoever. Um, and it was a really difficult situation. Um, so this this all didn't start uh, on on December 2nd. Uh, there was there were some things brewing before this and particularly brewing, between Patrick Waugh, Patrick Waugh, who had, was, you know, um, the the major reason the Canadians won the Stanley Cup in 86 and 93. Um, he came out of nowhere, you know, that, that, that his white mask in 86, yeah. he was sensational in 86. Um, he was one, that guy that turned heads uh, in 86 and 93. It was all the overtime games, uh, 10 overtime games. Uh, that uh, that one that propelled the Canadians to the cup, but by '95, um, Patrick Waugh was, um, you know, Patrick Waugh thought a lot of himself. He was thought of as a god and and treated like a god, and um, he had a coach in Jacques Demers that uh, really coddled him, and that probably wasn't a good situation, and. Uh, uh, you had Serge Savard, um, who had come to, by the beginning of the season, had come to the opinion that it was time to trade um, Patrick Waugh. And he had gone to Ronald Corey, and um, it was pretty well known that Patrick Waugh was available um, 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 for, for uh, you know, trade. And, and in uh, his uh, biography uh, called Forever Canadian, uh, Serge Savard uh, said... Uh, Patrick, that Patrick Waugh had become too important to the club. He took up too much space in the dressing room. He had too much influence on the coach, Jacques Demers. Over the previous years, I had to handle him with kid gloves. I still had the same admiration for him as I did when we won the Cup in 86 and 93, where he played a determining role, but a change had become necessary. The team revolved around him too much. Um, he had too much influence, uh, and for the good of everyone, he needed a change of scenery. So, um, the 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 motion is being put in place to to trade Patrick Waugh at, at, because he had become a little too big for his britches. He was yeah. more impressed with the the name on the back of the jersey than the front. 
Um, but at the same time, Ronald Corey was thinking the same thing about Serge Savard, that he had become a little too big for his role. <laughs> Remember when Ronald Corey uh, hired Serge Savard, he had no managerial experience and he, he kind of turned things pretty well. Um, but then, uh, you know, Ronald Corey was not the, the strongest of leaders, a little weak. And he probably felt threatened by Serge Savard, uh, who was seen as the natural replacement in the president's role as Ronald Corey. So when things didn't go well uh, to the beginning of his season, Ronald Corey had his his reason. He had his excuse. Got rid of Serge Savard. And it worked before, so why not bring in two um, players again, or two guys yeah. again without experience in Uhl and uh, Tremblay? Um and 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 again, that's that's a weak leader who brings in uh, folks that that aren't going to challenge him at all. Uh, but that was a huge, huge, huge mistake uh, because Tremblay and Ull, when it came time to deal with a crisis in Montreal, didn't have the experience, didn't have the contacts, um, and as well, um, you know, there's a whole long running feud between Tremblay. And wah, and it goes back to their playing days. It goes back to the days when they shared uh, an apartment. It, it uh, went, it continued when Tremblay was in the broadcasting role and and criticized Raw, uh, and and then when Tremblay gets into the coaching position and learns that um, Serge Savard had planned to trade Wah, well, he he has. Uh, he has an opportunity uh, to exact his revenge in this 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 feud uh, and poke the bear, let's say, yeah. and that brings us to December second, uh, nineteen ninety five. Um, I watched the game again uh, this week. Um, yeah, uh, it You're brave. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, just three minutes in, uh, and, and the Detroit team, I mean, you, you have Larry Onoff opening the scoring, a power play mm-hmm. goal, three minutes in, then it's Kozlov, um, mm. Recky uh, comes back for the Canadians, 2-1, uh, but then, uh, Kozlov gets his, his second of the night, uh, 3-1, it's 3-1 in the first period, but by this time already, by this time already, and 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 let's be honest, Patrick Waugh didn't look very good in this game. He just no, didn't. No. Uh, both his play, uh, he was sw- he was going down a lot. What I mean, butterfly goaltender, sure. But he was swimming a lot. He was overplaying the puck. He was putting himself out of out of position, uh, and his body language was terrible. After the Kozlov goal, the three one goal, um, he got up and he was waving his arms and he was complaining at at Kintel, who had uh, screened him. On the play, um, it it was it was it was the first period, and it was getting ugly already. And then with two minutes left, Patrice Brisebois, uh, five in a game for checking from behind, a five-minute penalty uh, for, with for, with the dangerous uh, power play of the Red Wings, and yeah. uh, they didn't waste any time. Lidstrom with a power play goal, Greg Johnson with a power play goal. And it's 5-1 by the end of the first period. Three power play goals given up. And I can't even imagine that that dressing room at that time. And it was only the first intermission. Yeah. <laughs> can't have been good feelings. <laughs> no. Um, 
So we come back in the second. Um, remember, Scotty Bowman's on the other bench. He's yeah. on the Detroit bench at this point <laughs> versus Mario Tremblay with zero coaching. Well, six weeks coaching experience. Yeah. Um, Kozlov makes it 6-1 for the hat trick on the power play goal. Uh, none other than uh, Matthew Dandino gets a breakaway, Ooh. Uh, making it 7-1. And at this point, Patrick Waugh is looking to the bench, and Mario Tremblay has none of it. He's like, he's not even looking at him. Yeah. Uh, and and now on the broadcast, they're saying, okay, this is this this isn't right. Um, this is this is uh, uh, Mario Tremblay, um, you know making a point here. He's humiliating Patrick Waugh on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Johnson makes it uh, 8-1. Um, and then Fedorov, and, um, Fedorov takes a slap shot from outside the blue line. Um, and, you know, Fedorov himself, uh, kind of uh, a little bit of humiliation there on Waugh. A long slap shot. Uh, Patrick makes the save. Easy save, of course. Bronx yeah. Bronx cheer. Bronx yeah. cheer. And the crowd starts to get on Patrick Waugh. And that's the famous moment where Patrick Waugh puts his arms up to the crowd. And they react. And he's pissed. And uh, Mario's pissed. Um, and then Fedorov from the slot, 9-1. Uh, Patrick Waugh's uh, pulled and comes to the bench um, and the ugly scene that we all remember him brushing past Mario Tremblay uh, and then coming back to speak to uh, Ronald Curry saying this is my last game and we remember I mean that's the old form there's no glass behind the bench no. right uh, and so Patrick has full access uh, to uh, to the president of, of the Canadians what I mean um, and the game ended up 11-1. We forget Pat Jablonski went in and and uh, <laughs> uh, gave up uh, two more goals, but uh, just ugly. Just an ugly, ugly game, ugly night for everybody yeah. involved. And you say there's no separation between uh, the bench and uh, and the fans behind, and I saw the picture of uh, there was a... a, a a woman who was just shooting daggers down <laughs> at Patrick Wall. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was that type of environment at that point in time. And, you know, it's the thing about this is for me, right? And this is a trade that, that predates my existence. So I had to do a little bit more research on this. But the one thing that holds true in professional sports is the Montreal Canadiens were probably, there's no universe in which that they, they win a Patrick Wall trade. It just I, I I don't think that that is possible. You're trading a two-time Stanley Cup winner, a guy that, you know, that that in the franchise in the franchise's history is is one of the more beloved players. You're not going to win that trade. But the one thing about sports and about life in general is that everything has a beginning and an end. And it felt like at that point in time, as Serge Savard alluded to before he got fired and was going and was in the process of, of trying to trade Patrick Waugh, he knew that Patrick Waugh's time in Montreal had come to an end, that it was it was about time to move on. And that was never going to be an easy thing to do. But it seemed as though Serge Savard was in a bit of a better position, having some experience oh, yeah. Yeah. to do a better job of making this a transition. 
And the thing that I go back to, and I wrote about this for Zaku Koivu when I wrote an article on allhabs.net that you can find at Joela19. It's my pinned tweet, the article about Zaku Koivu being a victim of circumstance and it being because he was one of the guys he was, uh, you know, heading into that portion, that era of Montreal Canadiens hockey. There was nothing really for him to, nothing really around him as a core group. You're not going to win a Patrick Watt trade, but you can do a hell of a lot better than they did when they get Jocelyn Thibault, Martin Ruchinski, and some guy named Andre Kovalenko, and also trading away Mike Keane in that trade for some reason. How does that happen? <laughs> how do, that's, that reminds how, how me. How does Montreal, yeah, how do they have to sweeten the deal? I know. I don't, Horatio uh, uh, God love him as a player, but um, yeah. a terrible GM and, and, yeah. and panicked, absolutely panicked. Yeah. Uh, Detroit wanted uh, Patrick Waugh, but uh, he he uh, you know Ray Shanoel jumped at the first offer he got from from Lacroix in in, uh, in Colorado. Lacroix being Waugh's former agent and uh, and was was wanting uh, Patrick Waugh, and uh, and it was a perfect landing spot, of course, for yeah. Patrick Waugh. Um, but yeah, it reminds me of, you know, Ryan McDonough being thrown in, uh, mm-hmm. to sweeten the deal. Why do you have to sacrifice your captain, your captain yeah. at the time, Mike Keene? Um, that, that was, that was bizarre to me. And, and looking back, uh, and we were talking about this, uh, pre-show, the, the, the deal that, uh, Serge Savard said, uh, he had, uh, in place, uh, included, uh, Patrick Waugh going to Colorado, uh, for Owen Nolan, that power forward that the Canadians uh, would have needed, uh, yeah. and Stefan Fissette, um, you're getting a goaltender back. Uh, not, you know, um, uh, average goaltender. Yeah. Um, Thibault, uh, I, I, I don't see one one better than the other, but both French goaltenders, uh, one coming mm-hmm. back. But at least you're not giving up a, a Mike Keane, and you're getting an uh, an Owen Nolan, that power forward. Now, when... when it came time for uh, Rajan Ul to step up. Owen Nolan wasn't with Colorado anymore. He had been already traded f- uh, uh, for Sandus Ozelinch. Oz- um, yeah. But you know, th- th- this was going to happen. Uh, uh, who's yeah. who's the who's to blame here? Tremblay, yes. Uh, Ul, yes. Corey, yes. Um, you know, Jacques Demers a little bit uh, the way he treated yeah. Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh. Yes, um, the time had come for Patrick Waugh to to end his tenure in 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 Montreal. Uh, the 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 team knew that Serge Savard knew that Ronald Corey knew that, uh, but Patrick Waugh also knew that. Yeah. Um, and there's the fascinating story about the morning of the game. This happens before mm-hmm. the game, uh, where uh, Patrick Waugh is is uh, for breakfast, a, a spot everybody knew, Moe's Diner, right by the the forum, uh, the Canadians are in there. Detroit comes in there, mm-hmm. and um, and and uh, Mike Vernon, um, the the Detroit goaltender, is motioned over by Patrick Waugh to come and sit next to him. Patrick wants to talk. He's never spoken ever to yeah. Patrick Waugh, and he's like, <laughs> "What is going on here?" And and Patrick Waugh said, um, "You know, I I want to quit hockey. I, I I can't stand it. The pressure's too much in Montreal. I got to get out of here." Uh, this, this, I can't take it anymore. It's so bad. I want to leave hockey. And Mike Vernon said, um, who went from Calgary to Detroit said, you know, I know the feeling, I know the feeling exactly. Um, but you need a trade, bud. 
Um, yeah. And don't leave hockey. You're you're a great goaltender. <laughs> don't leave hockey. Just see if you can get a trade. Well, yeah. Um, he got himself a trade that night, that very same night. And I mean. That was just after Patrick Wall had turned 30 years old. So to be talking about retirement at that point in time, especially when he had so much more to give, as we saw with two more Stanley Cups uh, in Colorado, you know, that, that was just a, a ludicrous thing to to even say. But it speaks to the pressure that exists. Um, but yeah, it, like it's there's no universe where the Montreal Canadiens are going to win because conventional wisdom is if you give up the best player in the trade. You're not going to win the trade. But they could have positioned themselves better. And, yeah, you, you touched on it. Patrick Waugh knew the writing was on the wall. Everyone in the Canadians organization knew the writing was on the wall. And at this point, you know, it's, it's just incredibly rare to see a player, no matter how important or tied to a franchise or woven into the fabric of a franchise that they are, it's incredibly rare to see a player go their entire career with one franchise. And we're seeing that right now. And I touched on it because I thought you were wearing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers hat before we started <laughs> no, no, the show. No, no. We're seeing Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. We saw Marty Brodeur at the twilight of his career in St. Louis before we started an executive career in St. Louis. Obviously a different place in his career than, than Patrick Waugh was at this point in time. You know, Michael Jordan with the Washington Wizards. You see all of this happen all the time. It's, it's rare to see that a guy who was so beloved by one fan base, by one franchise to go on. it's not unusual to see that, especially guys of that caliber. And then you always hear it. If Gretzky can be traded, anybody can be traded. And Patrick Wilde got traded after uh, his coach tried to pull a stunt by embarrassing him, leaving him in the net for nine goals, the mock cheer, the Bronx cheer that he got raising his hands up. He played an equal part in that too. There's no question. It takes two to tango. And after the treatment that he got, from Jacques Demare, from whoever else, from Serge Savard, he says that he had his his kid gloves on as well. This was all this was all going to happen. It was all going to lead to this point. The only thing is that you know you you would have hoped that the Canadians could have set themselves up better for the next era of Montreal Canadiens hockey than they did. They didn't have any leverage in this. You leave him in for nine goals. You're basically saying. We don't have any leverage. We're just going to trade him. And, and as you said, that's what Rajon Hull did, the first offer. <laughs> You'd have to think that might be the first offer that he got. The, the What's the lesson from this? How could they have come out of this differently? Um, the, these are the Montreal Canadiens. There is no uh, salary cap on, on hockey operations positions. You yeah. don't. You don't put in an an inexperienced GM. You don't put in an inexperienced coach. And I wish they had learned that lesson, but they didn't. They put in an inexperienced GM in the name of Mark Bergevin, who took uh, six or seven years to figure out what his job was and now has has turned the corner. But painful, painful years uh, while while we watched him get experience. Uh, and fortunately, he didn't have to deal with a crisis the size of, of yeah. Patrick Waugh during that time uh, because we see what happens when you have an inexperienced guy have to deal with a larger-than-life uh, figure. Yeah, and I mean, it's there's no way around that. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens at that point in time, that was probably, I mean, 
one of the more important things to oversee if you're a Montreal Canadiens GM at that point in time. That I mean, I would argue that there wasn't, there hasn't been a bigger trade in the history of the Montreal Canadiens, or at least one that's ended. We know that this one's ended so poorly. There have been big trades, but this is the one that when you are looking at, okay, why were the Montreal Canadiens where they were, you know, close to the basement, closer to the basement than the top, at the turn of, you know, the turn of the century. Well, it's because of this trade. That is why the Montreal Canadiens, it's why it took so much time for them to build back up. And at that point, where there was so much depending on this exact move, Patrick Waugh being traded at 30 years old, still years to go in his career, and of course, two more cups to win in the right situation in Colorado, it was of the utmost importance that the Montreal Canadiens got back something of a fair package they didn't. So that's what happens, unfortunately, is uh, you have one of the more important things that the franchise has ever had to do, and you put it in the hands of, of a couple of guys that, that didn't have any experience. And, uh, yeah, they paid for it. <laughs> they paid for it dearly. Uh, in the early 2000s, things turned around, but it, it took some time. Uh, Rick, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there, that discussion, because there's certainly a lot more <laughs> that could be said about that. <laughs> but we'll wrap it up there. We'll take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast, uh, and we'll be back after this. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back. 
to episode 113 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. Uh, so, Rick, I'm not wearing that was I'm not wearing a Tom Brady hat. I'm not, yeah, I'm not wearing a Tom Brady hat. <laughs> it, yeah, I should emphasize that because I, I I didn't mean to throw you under the bus there because the worst thing that you can you can say to somebody is that they're a fan of Tom Brady, uh, <laughs> staunch Vikings fan. And today I yeah. have my 2010 uh, Vancouver Olympics uh, Canada uh, hoodie along with the Team Black Team yeah. Canada. Uh, hat on so uh, thinking about the world juniors coming up and and yeah. being very patriotic and and uh, getting ready for for the holidays wearing red so uh, yes I would not be caught dead wearing no. a Tom Brady and and anything I still time to New England anything Boston yeah. anything New England um, is off my list yeah well that's just it right he's he's always going to be tied to New England so yeah, I wouldn't want to insinuate that, and it's a good thing that you picked up on that because I didn't mention it. it just looked like one with the tip <laughs> of the red on the Canadian on the maple leaf. It looked like a Bucks hat from my angle, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry to even have insinuated that you are wearing <laughs> anything uh, that's that's uh, a Tom Brady support in any in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so, Rick, having you know, we're in December now, um, which is uh, so strange to me that that we're already in December, but. Uh, that means uh, that November has come to an end, and we have our final update uh, with regards to the funds that we've raised uh, at All Habs. Now, I it's yes, it is December, and we're well past the end of November. But I haven't got rid of the stash yeah, just it's yet. Still there. Um, I kind of, I kind of like Take it. Take a liking so, to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, now, and, you, and you've had the haircut. You've cleaned up pretty nicely. I still yeah. have, uh, you know, the the long hair and the the mustache. So, uh, gonna. Th- keep this for for a while but um november's not only about growing mustaches um and it's about uh it's about getting involved in in uh move challenges which some of our rocket sports team did uh it's getting involved in um uh, spreading awareness about men's uh, physical and mental health and it's helping to raise funds uh which our group did uh, and uh, I'm very proud that that we raised three hundred and thirty dollars uh, wow. in a in a pandemic environment. We think that's tremendous. Uh, yeah. and uh, and some of our listeners came through as well and made donations. One listener in particular uh, and his family uh, made a significant donation. I'll be reaching out to them uh, uh, this weekend uh, to to thank them very much. But I, I just, um, I just want to uh, to remind everybody that the end of end of November doesn't mean that uh, you stop your your awareness uh, and raising awareness of men's health, which is uh, a significant issue. And uh, please help to uh, promote that and uh, for the the men in your life that uh, you care about. Absolutely, and it is an incredibly worthy cause and one that you know is, is always happy to contribute in in any way that that you can. Um, to uh, yeah, the the overall message of, of men's mental health, physical health, in any in any way that you can is, is always appreciated. But uh, Rick, uh, we had quite the show to get through today. A we lot did. of we we had a lot of Luke Richardson. Luke Richardson, I think, is the MVP of, of this show. Uh-huh. Uh And we had a very interesting discussion regarding the 25th anniversary of the infamous Patrick Waugh trade. Um, but uh, it's it's been. Another great episode here on the Canadians Connection podcast, and we would like to ask 
if you haven't hit the subscribe button, if you found us on any of your favorite podcast platforms, you have yet to hit that subscribe button. Hit that subscribe button. You won't have to worry about missing a future episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. And do the same for the press zone, as, as Rick mentioned earlier uh, with, with the Francis Bouillon clip. You've got a couple that are coming up on the next episode of the press zone, and you want to search up uh, the press zone as well. Hit the subscribe button, and then you don't have to worry about missing any of that content on any of your favorite podcast platforms, whichever one uh, you choose. You can find us, and uh, we've got our new cover art for both of our podcasts here mm-hmm. on the Rocket Sports Radio team, and they uh, look uh, very, very good. So just uh, hit the subscribe button and share with your friends if you feel so, uh, if you feel like doing that. Yeah, you can help us by sharing yeah. our podcast uh, on your social media accounts uh, so that others, other Canadians fans, other hockey fans get the chance to uh, find out where we are and encourage them to sub- subscribe too. And as always, we love hearing from you. Send yes. us an email, info at allhabs.net. Reach out to us on, on social media or uh, our Rocket Sports text line is available 24 hours a day, 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. Um, another way to remember it is 585-376-2538. Yeah, and as we always say, we love connecting uh, with our listeners here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And we'll be back next week with a brand new show to bring you all the latest Montreal Canadiens news and news around the hockey world. Uh, so, with Rick, we will say goodbye here. Uh for this week on the Canadians Connection Podcast. We'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> <laughs>